make a way through the dark of night that you would guide us, and especially in the area of prayer. We thank you that we can be uh, instructed again by your word. We thank you that as we open your word, we can be assured that by your spirit you continue to work in each one of us and that you would encourage us in our faith and in our prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our reading this afternoon is from Genesis 18. Genesis 18, verses 16 to the end. And here we have the account of the visit of the three men who come to speak with Abraham and Sarah, first of all, in the first part of the passage ties into God's covenant faithfulness, having said to Abraham, you will have a son. And, and of course, they're both old now, and, and that whole sense of how that will work is, is looks very uncertain. And so then the visitors come uh, and speak to Abraham and Sarah and affirm that promise of God. And then uh, just picking up the account of verse 16, and, and in my uh, Bible here, it's titled, Abraham Pleads for Sodom, or, or Praise for Sodom. It's a prayer, a prayer of Abraham. So the first great prayer we want to look at. Uh, verse 16, when the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. And the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for the lack 
of five people. If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again he spoke to him, what if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abram said, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? And he answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. And just uh, the sense of uh, verse 32, where, where Abraham dares to go down to 10, and where the Lord replies, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. Amazing. Beloved children of God gathered here, we uh, come together around the, the focus on prayer. We were talking as a worship and ministry team and, and thinking about how to proceed in the fall and, and through the winter and just to, to come back to that a little more frequently, that we have that area of prayer, that central aspect of the Christian life, and just to, to think about that a little more and to reflect on that and to grow in that and to let especially these great prayers of the Bible direct us and guide us in how we can come before God in prayer. And so over the next number of, of months, uh, not every week, but in between, we'll have uh, services focused on prayer with the great prayers of the Bible. So we'll look at the prayers of Moses, the man of God and the prayers of Hannah when she asks God for a son. And the prayers of David, we read one already, beautiful prayers that guide us in our praying. The prayer of Hezekiah and the prayers of Jesus and the prayers of Paul. And thinking too, even Ephesians 3, where Paul says beautiful prayer that that he prays that, that we would come to know the love of God that is beyond knowledge. And that it's so wide and high and long and deep. And so those prayers to enter our heart as we long to draw close to God in prayer. Today we begin with the prayer of Abraham, uh, the friend of God. In James chapter 2, verse 23, it says... Abraham was a friend of God. And that sense of this prayer even is, is Abraham talking to the Lord, talking to God, like one friend would talk to another. And that sense of, of a closeness, of an intimacy, of an understanding, of a, a coming together. In this particular case, 
an amazing prayer of Abraham for mercy for Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, those two evil cities. It's a very bold prayer, and Abraham knows it. He says in verse 27, Abraham spoke again, now that I have been so bold. And then he says again in verse 31, now that I have been so bold. He, he, he knows. He says, this is, yeah, an unusual way to pray. This is a, this is a very bold prayer. He knows it. Do we know it? How, how do we pray boldly? How can we lay our requests boldly before the Lord? And then the actual story, that dramatic countdown from 50 to 45 to 40 to 30 to 20 to 10. Remarkable. What, what, what's going on there? What is Abraham thinking? How do you pray that way? Why would you pray that way? So, so the sense of, of learning, understanding, growing also in our prayer from these Examples. So first from Abraham here. Let me just, uh, there, there's lots of things here, lots of questions, some sense of, yeah, why start at 50? Why not start at 100 or 200? Well, of course, the cities were evil. If there were that many as well, God probably would save, because that's, that's a significant number, right? 100, 200? But he starts at 50. Okay. Would God spare the city for the sake of 50? So that, that side of it, perhaps, why he began at 50. On the other side, why does he stop at 10? He says the last request is 10. He was, he was going good. Why does he stop at 10? Noah... The story of Noah has God saving some righteous people. How many are saved? It says, yeah, Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives. If you've seen the new movie, Noah, have you seen it with Russell Crowe? Along with everything else they get wrong, they got that wrong. Yeah, because the wives don't even get in the boat. In <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, there's eight. So, so would Abraham know? Yeah, story of Noah, Genesis 7, Genesis 8. There were eight righteous, and the world was not saved. So that Abraham would stop at 10. Possible, possible. Why wouldn't he go down to five? In Sodom lived Lot and his wife. And Lot and his wife had two daughters. So that's four. And the two daughters were engaged to be married to two young men. So that's six living in Sodom. But it says... In Genesis 19, verse 14, that the two son-in-laws, when Lot warned them about the coming destruction, they refused to believe. 
So there's only four Rachels. So five wouldn't do it. Why, why didn't Abraham go down to one? Oh Lord, if there would be one righteous person, well that's ridiculous, if just one. Why wouldn't he go down to one? One righteous person. I want you to think about that. We're going to come back to that. More generally, uh, what kind of prayer is this? Can we pray like this to God? I think we can, and I think, in fact, we do in a way. We do. It's fascinating to consider the great prayers of the Bible and to see from them how we can grow in prayer. In this case, the bold prayers to a merciful God. The sense of the context here in Genesis 18, uh, there are three men, the two are angels. Genesis 19 verse 1 talks about the two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening. So the story continues from Genesis 18, the two men have gone on and they are two angels. That reminds us a little bit of Hebrews 13 verse 2 that says we need to be kind to strangers because they might be angels we are not aware of. And that's an amazing possibility. Angels among us. That's a whole other sermon. And if you're interested in that, you'll have to write it down on the sermon suggestion page and hand it in. And I'll work that out for you. There's all kinds of interesting things here, but we are not going to talk about that today. The third person is the Lord. Genesis 18, verse 17, and different references there. The Lord is present. Who, who, how is that, the Lord present? Sid DeWall, he wrote beautiful books, Promise and Deliverance, four-part series. Actually, uh, when Pastor Charles was here, I told him to just pick 25 books out of my library and take them with him, just to get him started on his ministry and things. And he took my Promise and Deliverance series. <laughs> he asked me if it was okay. I said, absolutely. This is a beautiful series. If I really, really need it, I'll buy it back somewhere. But it has lovely, lovely insight into the New Testament. And, and, and DeWall is, is, is confident and, and, and absolutely right that this, this, the presence of God, when, when we have the physical presence of God, walking, visiting in the Old Testament, that is already the Lord Jesus. The flesh, God in the flesh. Kind of a prefiguring of a saving presence, the triune God, and, and, and he moves in that direction. That, that When God is present in this way, the eternal Son is already fully engaged, even as he was at creation. Colossians 1 tells us, he was fully there at creation, and he continues to be part. And so here we have the real presence of God. And it, you, you can say, too, how is that possible? Well, Jesus is that physical presence. So that reality, true God is here. And the first thing to realize about prayer from this account is we can be bold because God is merciful. 
God is so very merciful. So our prayers are to a merciful God. And, and to recognize that, first of all, in terms of to learn in terms of our prayers. God is merciful. God is merciful to Abraham, and Abraham realizes it too for, for this audacious prayer. The Lord God listens to Abraham 50, 45, 40, 30. What are you going on about Abraham? 20, 10. The Lord is merciful to Abraham in listening to his prayer, in considering his request, in responding to it lovingly and sincerely. Will you? Yes, I will. Will you? Yes, I will. Could you possibly? Yes, I will. Wow, what a, what a merciful God. To see that, that this is the God we pray to. And it's not at the end that God said, well, I'm, I'm fed up with you. I mean, yeah, 20, 10, get out of here. No. Abraham ends the prayer. In verse 32, Abraham says, I have one last request. And God listens to his requests and responds. If there's 10, will you save? Yes, I will. And Abraham is satisfied. His prayer has been heard. He leaves it with the Lord. He goes on his way. I have offered my prayer. My merciful God has heard, and I trust he will answer. Just, just that sense of God's mercy to Abraham, first of all. What a, what a key understanding of prayer. And I wonder, do you have that? To have that clearly in mind, that you and I are praying to a God who is gracious and merciful. That, that gives us more boldness. That, that gives us more of a sense of, okay, okay then. Lord, could you please? And that sense of God's listening. We see it also, God's mercy, in, in the whole context. God coming down to see, verse 29. Sorry, verse 21. Where, where there is a concern in relation to these evil cities. But God, God doesn't just, just blast them. It says, too, God comes down to see if it's as bad as the outcry that has reached me. There is a sense of, of God coming ready to save, wanting to restore. And, and the sense of the 50, 40, 30, 20, 10 has the sense of, of the righteous, if they were righteous there, they would be a witness to Sodom and Gomorrah for the good. Their righteous witness would, would save the city in the sense of, of God would, would build on their witness to draw people to himself. And that's the mercy of God as well, coming and seeking to save the lost. Now this, this true picture of, of the story is a contrast to the way often the story is presented. People who don't know the story very well, who aren't really of a Christian mind or background, they will pick up the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they'll say, look at that God, what a terrible God. Just blasted those people. I say, no. But that's, that's the, the side of the story that gets highlighted. God is not caring. God is not merciful. He is cruel. He is just vindictive. And he's wandering around wondering who he can destroy. 
and that's a God you might hesitate to pray to. And so the actual account is one of abundant mercy, even for that terribly wicked city. And so the prayer to him is very bold. We pray, that's the first point, we pray to a merciful God. And even, even the name of God, it, it was part of Psalm 86, Exodus, thir Exodus 34, verse 6, where God states his name, the gracious and compassionate one, slow to anger and abounding in love. That's evident right here. This is the God we pray to. What a central understanding. The second thing is that this allows us to be bold in prayer to this merciful God. And it's not, it's not a random boldness. It's not a boldness that, that just throws stuff out there very much on the surface. Just, just a list of prayers or God, try to do this. God, maybe do that. And, and it's, it's not at all a, a random kind of trying to see how far God can be pushed. It's a, it's a boldness in love and care. So the question is, why is Abraham so bold? Why is he so bold in this prayer? It might be because of his love for his nephew. Lot, who lives in the city there. And that's, of course, uh, partly, partly the case. And we also, uh, just reading on in chapter 19, verse 29, it says, uh, So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. So God, God's concern is for Lot, and Abraham's concern was for Lot, but notice he never mentions Lot in the 50, 40, 30, 20. Never mentions him at all. So why, why is he so bold? He is bold out of love for these cities. And you might think that's odd. But the degree to which we press God in prayer is, is an outgrowing of our own hearts. How much do we, do we want it? If there's something that, that you are really concerned about, then you will pray fervently for it. it it's a burden on your heart. And, and your prayer will be directed in that way because, because your love and your concern and your, your whole being. You, you want, yeah, maybe a family member, a particular concern, you will pray for them. Church member, you will, you will lift them up in prayer with all sincerity. And Abraham's boldness, boldness comes out of that, actually knowing and caring for these people. Well, Abraham, Abraham, shouldn't care for those evil cities. And how does he know anything about him anyway? Well, he does. In Genesis 14, a couple chapters back, we learn and we know that Abraham 
has risked his life to save these people. Abraham has risked his life. In Genesis 14, the towns, the cities, have been captured. There are five cities on the plain, and, and four other kings have come together and attacked and, and destroyed those cities, taken over those cities, taken the people away hostage, and taken all the goods. And in Genesis 14, Abraham comes and he takes his 318 trained men born in his own household and goes in pursuit as far as Dan. Dan is quite a ways north. If you know the, the, the map of Israel, the very, very, very north edge is Dan. So he follows and he fights and he redeems, he rescues the people, his nephew Lot, but also the people of these cities. Then he comes together with them in a time of worship. In Genesis 14, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, is a priest king of the true God. And Abraham and the king of Sodom and the other kings and the people, they are all worshiping the true God together with thankfulness as Abraham, by his God, has delivered them. What a, what a witness to those cities. What, what an amazing fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham. And it says in, in verse 19 um, that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised in Genesis 18, verse 19. And God promised Abraham that he would be a blessing to the nations. And here are the nations. And he is trying to be that witness, to be that blessing. And he wants God to draw these people to faith. He sincerely, fully wants to do that. He worships God with them. He gives God the credit for the victory. And he calls these cities to faith. And he will not take any, any reward for himself. He gives all glory to God. So he knows those cities. He knows those people. He has witnessed to them powerfully. And he cares for them. So his bold prayer to a merciful God is not based on some vague concern. It's not that he would more likely be happy that they are not here anymore. No. His desire is that they would be saved. He knows, he loves, he's risked his life for them, and he wants them to come to faith. Sadly, they will have none of it, but he continues to hope and plead with God and call out in love. Martin Luther, in commenting on this prayer, makes this point. Luther says, Abraham prayed six times, so six prayers, and with so much ardor and depth of emotion gradually lessening the numbers in order to save these wretched cities now this is true prayer luther says from the heart of love to the heart of god so that's that's maybe for you a, a different understanding of the the whole story sodom and gomorrah 
Well, why else would Abraham do this whole countdown thing? This was his sincere, bold prayer to God from the heart so that God would be glorified. Not a sense of what can I get God to do, but the heart of God also on display. God for 50, for 40, for 30, ready to save. That's the God we are praying to, a merciful, loving God. So how does this affect our prayer? Uh, can we pray this way? How merciful is God? How bold can we be? Let me tie it back to our uh, reading here this afternoon. Uh, it, it's, it's always the best, I find, if the word can speak right into your life and right into your experience. Listen carefully to what Abraham is praying to the Lord. In Genesis 18, verse 24, he prays to the Lord, for the sake of 50 righteous, would you save? And the answer is yes. In verse 29, for the sake of 40, yes. Verse 31, for the sake of 20, yes. Verse 32, for the sake of 10 righteous people, Abraham stops at 10. I want you to keep going. When you pray, I want you to keep going. In your prayer, in your pleading, dear God, would you please answer my prayer for the sake of myself and my wife and my kids. We're all fairly righteous, Lord, and please do what we want you to do. Five or four say, well, okay, that's still a little iffy. If we would go and plead with God and ask him to be merciful, to hear our prayer, to answer us, to save for the sake of one righteous person, one righteous person, how do you end your prayers? We end our prayers most generally. We teach our children to end their prayers. Dear Lord, hear our prayer. Forgive us our sins for Jesus' sake. One righteous person. That's whose sake we ask God to answer our prayers. And maybe we just say it so often, oh, oh yeah, for Jesus' sake, amen. For Jesus' sake, amen. For Jesus' sake, the one righteous man who showed God's love and mercy completely, dying on the cross for me, a sinner, worse than Sodom and Gomorrah people. Not for my sake, not for my family's sake, for Jesus' sake. Then our prayers are focused, focused on the power, the love, the mercy of God. And so, so let's continue to end our prayers that way, to end our prayers to a merciful God with that sense of Jesus' righteousness, his perfect sacrifice on the cross, his power at work in the world by the Spirit. Dear God, answer my prayer 
for the sake of the Lord Jesus, the Savior, the one who sacrificed himself for my sin, and the one who is building his kingdom, drawing people to himself, making his name great. His is the power that I pray through boldly. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray. We pray for the sake of Jesus that in our lives you would continue to draw us to yourself in faith and that you would work in us and through us to that bold realization that we can ask whatever we want we, in Jesus' name and that you will answer. Lord, we thank you that you are building your kingdom in this world. And as we look around, that you would want us to be witnesses to your love and declaring your saving grace, calling people out of darkness to your light. Lord, that that would be part of our prayer and that in confidence and joy too, we can call on you, our merciful God, that we can trust in you, that we can lay our needs before you, and that we can also continue to ask you that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in us and through us. For Jesus' sake, amen. We're going to respond in some songs of praise and Barb's going to lead us. First song is 247. It's over there. Um, but it's all to all, all glory be to God on high.